I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Show. <laughs> oh, my God. Steve D has got a Playing Footsie hoodie on. Wow. Uh, that looks pretty good. I want one. It is, it is Why pretty you tell good. Me? Why didn't you tell me you were getting one? I wanted one. Because we felt like leaving you out. Oh, God. <laughs> this is That's not good. That's not good for the future, is it? Wow. Yeah. Is it comfy? It's remarkably comfy. The only sort of thing that is, is slightly controversial is it has pockets instead of a pouch. How do you guys feel about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> controversial hoodie thing. My hoodies don't have any pockets, actually. Mine are, all of mine are like snowboarding ones, so they don't have any sort of pockety things to go in. Snow but collectors. There you go. There's the first bit of controversy for the, for the comments. Pockets, no yeah. pockets, or a pouch. What do you prefer in your hoodie? Because I I don't really care too much to be honest with you, but we've got uh, th- that's a great introduction for the uh, playing footsie uh, merchandise range that Steve D has set up over the past couple of weeks, and they're pretty funny designs, and I'm gonna get a few myself to be honest with you. So check it out. I don't know where 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 is the playing footsie merchandise? Link in the description. Link in the description. I can't remember. I can't remember the link. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Link in the description. Uh, thank you very much for being here today with us at the Playing Footsie Podcast. Um, we've got uh, a lot of things to talk about today. We've got uh, we've got another game. I think this is quite a good one. Steve D seems to be really excited about this game. In fact, he's been excited about this game for about three weeks now, and we've been putting it off because we've had so much so much different stuff to go on. Uh, we'll talk about Facebook and Twitch. We'll talk about uh, Barber and Munger, and we've got a bit on remote working as well because that's been in the news this week and. That's been quite important for all of us in in some way or or another. So we've got another packed show for you today on the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, Shall we just get started with how are you guys doing today, Steve D and Steve W? Uh, Anything happened to you in the week in stocks? And I suppose has anything happened to you just in the week generally? So both in the week and uh, in the week in stocks, uh, I've been buying stuff. Uh, I've been uh, buying some more Bristol-Myers Squibb because that's been uh, down. And to go with my Bristol-Myers Squibb shares, I also got this. Uh, Bristol-Myers Squid. Uh, These guys have got T-shirts on, huh? Why did did I get the news? (laughs) Yeah, so sorry to anyone listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast or Audible or wherever you happen to get your podcast from that's not YouTube. Uh, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says Bristol Myers Squid. It's very nice. It's from the Playing Footsie uh, store, which is at playingfootsie.tmail.com. I know where it is. Uh, link in description. Um, I think so far we've sold a total of three bits of merchandise, one of which was to Steve and one was to me. And also special thanks to Lizzie, who's the only other person to have bought anything at all. Um, but oh. Shame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's not Paul's new name. That is someone else. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I bought Bristol Myers Squibb this week, and now I feel like I can't possibly sell it because I'll have to throw this T-shirt away. Yeah, uh, that's one I want to buy. I must admit, um, I just so, don't have any money, and I spent 
what little I have for stocks this month on uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, did you say oh, Bitcoin? Go on, Steve. What's, what? For shit I did. I said Bitcoin. I bought a bit <laughs> of Bitcoin this week um, because I'm, I, I'm, I'm in the hype. I've been trapped in the hype cycle. So, um, yeah, that's where we're right at. Right at the top. Right at the yeah. top. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've had a decent week in stocks. I've cleared out a bit of space in my portfolio. Um, that I was sort of waiting on the HSBC um, to, to turn back green because I think I'm not overly happy with the thesis now. Um, I think I, I jumped the gun on that one a little bit. I'm still not... I still think it's good that they're focusing on areas that they find particularly profitable, but whether I actually want a business that is focusing on China at the moment is still a bit iffy for me. So I cleared out that HSBC position when it raced up um, yesterday evening. And uh, the same with uh, Bank of Nova Scotia that has now left my portfolio as well. So I have a, um, a new position in Adidas, but just a small one, and a new position in Compass, which is a, a very, uh, well, quite exciting real estate company. And then I've, uh, I've, I've gone, tried to reduce my losses in Teladoc, my losses in Coupang. And uh, and since I've bought Compass, it's gone down about twenty percent. So I've been trying to reduce my losses in that as well. So that's a, that's an interesting uh, interesting week. But it, it's coming back. I, I I lost quite a bit. I lost about five grand in the uh, the initial sort of like fall um, last week. But it, it's coming back, and uh, I've already made about two grand back, and it's still rather positive, to be honest. Uh, loads to loads to kind of pick apart there. Um, HSBC, uh, which you probably only entered about a week ago, as far as I can remember. So, Steve, I mean, the, long month, I think. the long-term investor to day trader at the moment. I think <laughs> we've got Steve D at. Um, and um, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, Coupang. Uh, this is my massive segue into Coupang uh, being South Korean. I hope it's South Korean. It is South Korean. It isn't is. It? Yep. Uh, so, has anybody uh, seen Squid Game yet? Not yet. It's on my list of things to watch. Not yet. No, it's on my list as well. Yeah. It yeah, man. It's um, it's uh, it's mass. It's been really, really popular in the Discord uh, over the past few days. And no spoilers. No, we're not allowed spoilers on the Discord. Um, but no. um, I've we we managed to get a night free the other night, and we went, fuck it. Should we just watch this Squid Game? Everyone talking about tough, tough first couple of episodes. It's not very good. The first couple of episodes is pretty obvious um but once you start to get i think we're on we watched five episodes in one night once you get to about episode five it starts to hook you in and it's uh starting to look really good now so i'm expecting the rest of the episodes to get pretty good um but yeah squid game was the was the one everyone's been talking about at the minute um okay let's move on to the game shall we uh steve d what have you got for us this week i'm actually scared of this one i'm really scared of this one this is a game you should be terrified about. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were chatting off camera, and I told you guys that I had made a new game, and I said it was gross. I don't know whether you remember. So I would invite you two to play my new game. It's gross. Um, um, not net. <laughs> it's gross. Net. <laughs> so what we're... Um, the aim of the game is that I'm going to give... And we'll, we'll let Paul go first. So I'm going to give Paul a stock... And he has to give a range. Uh, and I want him to give me a ranged percentage that he thinks Salesforce's gross profit falls into. And then it falls to Steve to say whether we are inside hmm. or outside the range. Oh. So, Paul, your objective is to trick Steve out of the range because Steve is the only oh one who can God. get a point 
first time round, and then obviously we uh, we switch roles. So, so, so this is gross profit margin. Gross profit margin, yes, seven yep. percent. Okay, no, okay. Ooh, interesting. Okay. This, I like this. Yeah, this is, so, this is good. This is good. All info is current. I've got it all from Y charts uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it, it won't be uh, it won't be any different because nobody has reported in that period. This sounds familiar. Are you ready to start? Steve, this sounds a bit like the Motley Fool's market cap game to me. It's a market cap game show, <laughs> but with gross profits. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I'm okay. going to start you off then, Paul. Salesforce is the first one. Do you want to let people know what Salesforce does? Uh, Salesforce is um, the hottest CRM tool out on the in the world at the moment. So, um, and it's making a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, it's uh, everyone would have seen this on the YouTube adverts and things like that. It's uh, how to make your your customer base more fluent and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, it's one of those. It's now I would say it's crossed into like a a blue chip style stock now, uh, it's, and it's been going a lot longer than I thought it had. So um, yeah, so this has a lot, a hell of a lot of potential in its gross margin, and I know that it's surprisingly higher than you would think steve w i think it's a lot higher uh and it's just, it's surprisingly high so i'm gonna put you down at 55 percent is that range gross profit 55 oh, sorry. to I'm sorry 50 55 I think it's to outside 65%. the range of 55 do I get a point for that? <laughs> 55 to 65 percent. Okay, you think you're going to surprise me with that being high? So, uh, Salesforce is a company that I've thought about investing in a couple of times now, actually, because I hear very good things about it. Uh, Morningstar are always telling me it's kind of underpriced. I haven't actually looked at its gross margins, but I do associate stuff in this sector, which is basically, I think, software, right? Yeah. Um, as yeah. being two things one not really something i understand super well uh but two also having massive gross margins uh, for what it's worth and they don't always make their way down to massive net margins or operating margins but i do tend to think they have reasonably low input costs here so i would go with this higher than 65 so i go outside the range i don't have to do i just say inside or outside or do i have to say higher? Yeah, you can have a, you can have a wild stab if you think it's uh, more than that but i was just outside okay sorry so i'll go outside i happen to think it's higher probably but um i would suggest outside that is correct Ooh. how far uh, off was i salesforce's gross margin is 74 and a half percent so that is a point to steve well done steve should have made stock it's so bad so you, you can't you can't like make it i made it 10 percent. well i should have made it 20 percent. i'd have been perfectly fine. i don't i don't know whether you've ever seen the game the market cap game show but i recommend it between emily flippin and aaron bush on on um the monocle just as a side note he goes like they they have to guess the market cap and he gives her a range that's within a dollar of each other yeah and i think, yeah, yeah. And I think he gets it he gets it wrong but only by a tiny amount yeah yeah <laughs> But anyway, so it's a good. very entertaining show. Um, <laughs> so next one on the list, Steve, is Teladoc. So please feel free to tell us as much information as you can about Teladoc. I wasn't and then give me a range. it made any money at all, but I assume you can have a gross margin while doing that. <laughs> so Teladoc, as we know, is a kind of can, yeah. telehealth company, and that makes me think it's again a kind of techie thing, and I would suggest that I think 
may have a reasonably high uh, margin. It's merged, of course, recently with Livongo, which might kind of muddy things up a little bit and make it a little bit harder to uh, try and remember where it was, if you think back to sort of Teladoc of a couple of years ago when it was really catching on. So let's try a a range, in this case then, of uh, between 45 and 60%. Nice wide range. Nice wide Ooh. range. Oh, it's slightly wider than Paul's range. It's between the the ten percent and the twenty percent he was looking for, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, right. <laughs> Depends whether it's. Uh, I struggle with Teladox capex, so I really do want. Uh, I think it's low. I think it's low. So I'm going to go with outside. Because I think it's more like 30. Oh, okay. What range did you go for, Steve? Sorry? Which range did you go Uh, for? I went for 45 to 60, I think, is what I meant to go for. I think if I'm wrong, I'm wrong under, though. Or, I mean, I think if it's outside, it's outside higher. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so Paul has gone outside, so that is the correct answer. But Teladoc's gross margin is higher (laughs) Steve's range. 68... Point one five. You still yeah. magically get a point. All <laughs> Good game, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So, Paul, the next one on the list is three M. One of your stocks. So you should be able to give a very nice uh, range here. Sure. Oh. It just does everything and uh, very interesting. All right. So it three uh, M uh, makes Sticky makes notes. masks. That's all it does. All all three M does <laughs> is make masks. Um, you don't need to know anything more than that. I don't think. Um, no, 3M has huge uh, intellectual property, has something like 1,400 patents that are all still well within range by about 30 years or something like that. So it's uh, got a lot of intellectual property, and I know that it makes quite a big gross margin um, for, a, for a, a stock of that size. So <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> I, I can't remember it. Um, it's three M. Go... <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go between seven and fourteen because I can only think of those two numbers right now. That's interesting because what that, that, is, that is high. Quite a small range. Uh, so you've got a range of seven. Yeah. I get that one is doubled the other one, sure, but. Um... <laughs> The range itself seems Numbers. to be quite small uh, to me here. So you got a kind of factor of, you know. Uh, I remember. Anxiety. I remember it. I remember it was pretty. Yeah, I remember. No, I won't go. I won't give you any. All more. right. So here's <laughs> what I think about uh, 3M. Pretty much all I know is that they make Post-it notes plus some other stuff. And I think I know that Demodoran <laughs> said that Post-it notes are a pretty high-margin kind of thing. And I think he meant kind of net. Uh, so it depends a couple of things now. One is how much other stuff they're doing, and two is how much of it is made up by post-it notes. And I kind of don't know the answer to either of those questions. Um, but I also think their margins are likely to come down this earnings season, actually. We're looking ahead. We're on, right on the start of earnings season, and I think they are a company who will be hit by inflation. I'm assuming they haven't reported yet because the banks haven't reported yet, and I assume 3M are after them. So their margin is going to be... I think the margin is going to come down, but I don't think it will kind of be down yet. Uh, gross margin. They must be running a very tight net margin if their gross margin is between 7 and 10. Um, I think 
I think it's got to be higher than that because otherwise I can't see how they make any money. <laughs> um, so we're going outside. Yes, we're going outside, please. That is correct. I put a pretty short, <laughs> short. What do I got? Yeah, it's go very, on. very short. Gross margin on 3M is actually about 47 and a half percent. I was trying to. I was trying to trick you because it was a big. Yeah, you big said it business, has a but, big margin, and then said work. seven to fourteen, which put me off. <laughs> I know, I know. I was trying to play poker then and try and because I didn't really. I knew it was like, I knew it was like over thirty, but I was thinking like, oh, it's um, if I make if I make the 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 margin my range really small, I could kind of confuse you into thinking it's it's low, but no, uh, obviously screwed that one up. I bet I bet it's just safer to just go wide margins play it safe the whole time hmm. the next company <laughs> on the list is solar edge oh no you know? solar edge okay so like enphase but i don't hate them um because they make inverters <laughs> I... they didn't steal my money <laughs> <laughs> enphase didn't steal my money either some short seller did but um i can't remember who it was now i think it might have been was it citron um Potentially. Nah, never mind. Anyway, yeah, uh, Solar Edge. They make. I think they make inverters. They're based in Israel, um, and I associate them with being a kind of solar panel company. They used to be on the kind of uh, clean energy ETF, one of the bigger holdings on that. I haven't paid attention to that recently to know where they are. Um, mm, I wonder about this one then. Let's say that's the kind of business they're in. I haven't done any kind of deep dive on them. Let's try and give Paul a big range then for the time being. Let's say Wanker. have a range between. For a gross margin, let's give you a big range that isn't doesn't sound very likely. Uh, 0 and 40%. Oh, that's harsh. Because most of that range is useless, right? That's... It's not likely to be three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, no, I don't know, but I don't think it's three. <laughs> I, I don't think it has a particularly high net margin, but <laughs> I, I've got nowhere to go on this one. I'm going to say inside just on the... just. Yeah, I'm going to say in some pretty sure the net margin does that, that well. But yeah, that's interesting, yeah. and it is correct. Yeah, I didn't uh, think it made they have much. A gross gross margin of thirty-two and a half percent. It's actually uh, quite a quite a low gross margin, really, when you think about it. It's uh, mm. especially for a, something with such a high valuation, a high PEPS multiple. Um, must be yeah, loads in R and D, right? It must be loads in R and D. It should, it, it's hard. It's gross. It's probably not. You're not losing an awful lot to uh, R and D. It's mostly. Mm. It's just cost mm. of sales at that point, isn't it? I think so, they're not uh, really scaled yeah. yet, or are they? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It could be. It could be anything, mm. really, couldn't it? I haven't. Do, I haven't. I haven't had a no. big interest. No, that's fair enough. Uh, next company on the list is. So would you like to stand up for me, Steve? Oh, here we go. Uh, oh, it's God. Bristol Myers Squid. Yeah, Link I wish I knew this one. Wish I knew this one. What do okay. they do, Paul? Yeah. Uh, they they just they just make medicines. It's <laughs> 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 just they're just another pharma company that's been beat down, and they have quite good financials. So they pay your dividends. We're Paul. all invested in. Them. They do pay a dividend. Yeah, that's a cheers for reminding me that. But excellent uh, reducing payout ratio on the on the dividend, even this year, I believe, which has been really good. Um, nice wine range. Then I'll just give it to you. Uh, thirty to sixty. Oh, oh, that's annoying. That is a big range. It's mm -hmm. also quite an annoying range. So it's in the spec. Yeah. It's in the sort of spectrum. Right of, well, part of it is right. <laughs> it's a wide range, and I know that 
one end of that range is nowhere near the right number. The trouble is, I think the other end of the range might be the right number or near the right number. I think the low end is nowhere near, mm-hmm. basically. Um, I have, because uh, I had a feeling it was, oh, I thought it was going to be 60 something, which is annoying because the range stops at 60. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Bristol Wire Squib didn't make money last year, I think. Uh, and therefore doesn't have a PE. It's mainly being valued according to its forward one, from what I remember of it. And everyone has an off year, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean the fact that there's no net margin doesn't necessarily mean there's no gross margin because the reason they didn't make money was because... Oh, sorry, it doesn't mean there's a low the gross margin. Stuff. Yeah, was a load of uh, other stuff going on. Huh, uh, 30 to 60. Um, I still think it's... Do I think it's too low? Or... Uh, Drama, Jeopardy, I'm going to try and read Steve's face based on this kind of thing. He's grinning at something, but I don't know what he's grinning at. Um, um, outside. That is correct. Ooh. Bristol Myers Squid has a gross margin of 79%. Oh, oh I didn't big, think it was yeah. that high. It's a lot bigger. A bit it's bigger than I thought. Biggin. Mm. Uh, next on the list is Dominion. Just hold on while I write down bigger Ooh. than I thought for um, the, the copy <laughs> bit. There we go. A, a uh, new t-shirt. <laughs> a new t-shirt. <laughs> what does Dominion do? Uh, Dominion, uh, basically what it does at the moment is it sells its natural gas pipes to anyone that will buy them off them, most prominently Berkshire Hathaway. Um, and uh, what it does, apart from that, is attempt to turn itself into a green utility. It is the second or third biggest US utility by market cap, I think. Next era is first. Uh, Dominion is listed by Morningstar, I think, as undervalued, which is kind of interesting. But utilities are not famous for having big margins. They're famous for having regulated margins, um, which generally gives you some security, because if you get inflation like we're currently getting, utilities are allowed to push through that cost to um, uh, customers. If you get something different, though, and you find that costs input costs go down, they're not entitled to make any more money. So... I would suggest then that they have a gross margin hmm, hmm, somewhere in the region of uh, 25 and 35%. Oh, that's a nice tight range. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he likes it tight. Okay, there's one for the copy. Mm. What does Steve, Steve like? Give me a moment. Uh, <laughs> so, Dominion. I, I like that you've gone low because Dominion is the one of the main facts I know about Dominion is that it has the largest offshore wind farm in the US, uh, which we which hasn't got a great margin on it. So, is it inside that very, very small range? One thing that I'm finding about this game, by the way, Paul, I don't know about you, is that gross margins are not really my thing. I'm kind of okay on sort of net ones, but gross ones are a bit trickier, at least I think, anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely, especially when you can't really figure out what's going into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I probably would be better at net margins, but um, it doesn't really... But that's not the game. See the thing is, I don't, do you do you guys look at gross margins normally? Love a gross margin. Well, Steve does do because a lot of the things you... that he buys don't have a net margin. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's it's more for a real gross stocky type thing, isn't it? And that's where yeah. It, so gross stocks yeah. like Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's a that's a transition stock at best. Um, okay, uh, let's go. I'm going to go inside. I'm going to go inside just for the fun. We have our first oh. wrong oh. answer. I genuinely um, don't know whether it's really little, high. I don't know whether it's higher or lower. Is this going to be stupidly high? Dominion's gross margin is just under fifty percent. Oh, okay. You've got to think right. it's cost of sales, so I would assume that your repairs and what have you are not part of their gross margins. Their gross margins are just the costs it, it, it costs to send the energy to the person, receive the so, check. So that is not including maintenance then at all? It doesn't include maintenance. No, no, no. maintenance, capital expenditure. See, so this from, is, that, th- from that from yeah. that 50%, they've got to somehow uh, get down to a net margin uh, and repair the pipes and install new ones and blah, 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 without yeah, losing any money. Uh, mm. Next on the list is Adidas. <laughs> what do they do? Uh, it's me, isn't okay. it, on this one? Uh, so oh, Adidas, they make trainers and uh, t-shirts that are not as good as the one that I'm wearing, and hoodies that are not as good as the one that you're wearing. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I believe they're traded on the German exchange. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yep. So they basically make sportswear, athletics wear, athleisure wear. I think the name is for it nowadays. Um, <laughs> and they have a gross margin of. Uh, oh, hang on! It's not me, is it? I think it's actually me. Yeah. <laughs> I was so just letting is. you. I was just letting you ride, so we didn't look st- stupid on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> oh, 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 I'll get this one. But uh, um, okay. Uh, Let's go. Thank you, by the way, for doing that entire introduction for me, because I've never heard of the term. Ath- <laughs> I've never heard athlete- of it. I've never heard of the athleisure wear. Athleisure. Well, you can tell it's like I'll an American, say. which means it's a sort of Lululemon thing. I think that I keep hearing about. What What came into my head was that um, there was a, a viral YouTube video a few years ago about women in their active wear and how they walk around just all day in their active wear and never actually go to the gym. Uh, oh, the famous. active wear song. Active yeah, wear. that was it. Oh, active people know it. Yeah, Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad people picked it. I don't know. How's, how's um, it go, Steve? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to go wide again because I have absolutely no idea. So uh, 50 to 70%. Mm. Those are some decent sounding numbers. Um, huh, okay, I, I I don't think I said inside for anything yet, have I? Um, and I was tempted to just say inside the moment Paul said I'm going to go wide before hearing what the numbers were. So let's go in <laughs> for the time. But I don't know about this area and what the gross margins are. That'd have been a perfect one to bluff, wouldn't it? It would have been the perfect one to bluff. Is it? In? Yeah. But unfortunately, it yeah, is inside definitely. the range, but just in. 51.8% right. oh, gross margin. Joking. I thought it was well in. I thought it was well in. All right, so well done, Steve. It's uh, We'll just keep going <laughs> for now. Steve, um, <laughs> you've got to tell us about a company that I don't think either me or Paul will have heard of. Um, it's ASML. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so ASML, uh, most prominently what they do, I think, is appear on one of our very nice playing footsie T-shirts, um, which is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> available um, in a uh, various different sizes, but of course it mainly goes up the, the sizing on these kind of things. And on the back, there's uh, I think you can get it written with KLA and then across through it on the back of it. I'm not sure about the last bit. <laughs> uh, and the Ted emoji. They make. Uh, they're a lithography company. If you don't know what they do, listen to any other episode and just scroll for the bits where Steve starts talking about it. Um, they make semiconductor equipment. They make. Uh, 
basically they're the only people who make semiconductor equipment of their sort, I think. They uh, have a gross margin of between 65 and 75%. What do you think, Pulp? I think outside and higher. Oh, I'm going to go outside and higher. So, Although, Paul I don't need to say higher. No, outside is... is- Mm-hmm. Paul is correct, uh, but fashionably, when he gets to he's wrong. <laughs> joking. You're it's joking. It's uh, lower, lower. Than 60%. 60%. Well, it is a manufacturer, remember? Um, yeah, a manufacturer and a, and a repairer of. So a gross margin of 50.86%. Yeah, around Adidas. the same of, as, as Adidas, uh, wow. I would say. Um, yeah, who knew semiconductor equipment was going to be as, as successful as your trousers? Yeah, or Dominion it's by the sound of it as well. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Paul, uh, Costco, what do they do? They're a shopping as a service company, right? That's basically what they are. Um, well known, well known for being very low margin on their, as far as their, their products go. But obviously, their subscription service is apparently very good. So, how do they? Oh God, this is hard. I'm not. I've never really looked at Costco uh, in any financial detail because I've just assumed it's always overvalued and it's one you'll just never buy because Charlie Munger bought it in the '60s or whatever. Um, right, his '60s or the '60s? <laughs> the '60s. So I'm going the to same say. Thing, are they? I'm going to say. I'm going to keep it nice and tight for this one. Twenty to thirty-two percent. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, so Costco, I associate them as primarily being low net margin, as you do, but partly because they're a retailer, partly because they're a low-cost retailer. Um, I also kind of associate them as having quite a bit of their own branded stuff around, and I'm not sure what difference, if any, that makes to margins. Um, Nothing. <laughs> uh, 20 to 32. Uh, oh, that does sound about right to me. Let's go with in. We have a wrong answer, Ooh. which is problematic because I do not have a tiebreaker. <laughs> um, but do a market Costco's, cap range. Just Costco's, do a market cap range. I can do Costco's uh, gross margin is is quite interesting because um, basically every product they sell is done at this is pretty much zero margin. Yeah. That's the whole idea Everything. behind it is that they sell you a membership. Yep. Um, but obviously when you tack the membership onto the fact that they've been selling billions and billions and billions of things at not very much, um, their gross margin comes out at 12.67%. Mm, very good. Very, very good. small. So to draw level, Steve, mm. what does Spotify do? Uh, Spotify is where you listen to this podcast. Um, they make their money through uh, <laughs> subscriptions and I think a bit of advertising too. So they have a kind of dual structure to them. Uh, they're a podcast company. Uh, well, not a podcast uh, company. They're moving towards podcasts, but they're uh, a music streaming service. And I think they have sort of two ways you can listen to them. You can either buy a subscription and you can get like a family one or an individual one, or you uh, can listen for free, but they will barrage you with adverts and things you don't want to listen to in between, basically, as well as the thing that you do want to hear. Um, so Spotify then is, I think, currently unprofitable uh, at the net level. Um, but it's a service-based thing, of course. Uh, they're not content producers. They have to buy in content from albums and, uh, sorry, labels and so on and so forth. 
let's say their gross margin for pushing this back out again is between 65 and 75 percent that's a reasonably small range that's a reasonably small range because that's what i would have done that's exactly <laughs> the number that's the range i'd have given you because you think it's right or because <laughs> you think it would just be confusing to me yeah, because I just think it would be confusing. This is this is a poker game, isn't it? Rather than anything else. Um, hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go outside because that's such you a small range. Higher or lower, Paul? I do think it's lower, actually. For what it's worth, um, I think that's a good idea up? because the range is so small. Uh, yeah, it's the chances. If you're not sure, go it's outside. It's a chance. Hmm. So well done, Paul. Mm. You have drawn us level. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a lot lower. Um, Spotify, you've got to think that um, they're taking a small a small fee of which there's a customer acquisition cost because they give you it for free in the first place. And also, they have to pay quite a lot back out in royalties. So their actual gross margin is only 28.44%. Oh, right. Which, Lots lower. Which for a big tech company is, you know, it's lower than your manufacturers. It's lower than Solar Edge, which has got a lot of other stuff going on. It's, uh, well, it's the second lowest on the list as well. So, yeah, quite interesting. Um, so I do, I do now have a tiebreaker as I was googling away while you was, uh, <laughs> you was going on. So um, we'll be talking about Facebook later, and it's had quite a, a significant fall. Um, but what is its market cap today? Fucking hell! Uh, um, feel free to feel free to write it down. Yep, just give me a second. Quick, don't quickly. Even, don't even, I don't even know what market cap Facebook is. Uh, feel like. Uh, if it's dropped, go on then. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Have to, oh shit! I'm nope. gonna have to Sorry. cross out. I'm gonna have to cross out my uh, national insurance number on the top. <laughs> just read it out to me, Paul. I trust you. I've got one written down. Uh, I've just gone for. I've just gone for eight hundred billion. I've. I think it's well, a little bit higher. I've gone for nine hundred and eighty-five billion because I thought it fell below a trillion recently in this fall-off. Steve, congratulations! Mm. You are the winner. Yeah. It's nine hundred and twenty-eight point two billion. Oh, further than I thought. Then I thought it was still close. Yeah, to yeah it was a yeah, very good. It was a trillionaire, and then it has since fallen back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will give I you wasn't a cheer. Win that one. Which normally doesn't make it into the podcast because, for whatever reason, Riverside chops it out. I'll, I'll clap as well. Just be nice. Onwards. In our ears, Thank you, there's lots of uh, cheering going on. Then, in our ears, just in case no one hears that. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, so that game lasted forever, which is quite nice. We weren't, <laughs> we weren't sure how that was going to go. But uh, that was enjoyable. Fa- very well done, Steve. That's a, That was a very enjoyable one and very tense. Five, four. I felt five, very... five, four. We needed some, like, who wants to be a millionaire music for that. That was close. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a high-scoring game because neither me nor Paul knows the gross margin of anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Basically. Okay, what do we want to talk about first? Do we want to talk about what happened to Facebook and Twitch, or do we want to talk about Baba, or do we want to talk about remote working, which has been in the news this week, and it's quite close to our hearts? Can we start with the debt ceiling, Paul? Said nobody We can else. start with the debt ceiling, because I totally forgot that bit that we were going to talk about as well. But yes, this week then, um, as, as usual, the uh, US... Both sides of the U.S. Uh, Congress 
cannot decide. Uh, well, one would like to raise the debt ceiling, and one doesn't like to raise the debt ceiling, and then they fake argue for a few weeks, and eventually, uh, st- it pulls back stocks, and eventually they sort it out. So, what's happened this week with the debt? Sorry, that was a really nonchalant way of just describing the debt ceiling. I should be more excited about it, really, shouldn't I? But I, I personally, in my head, this is a non-story. What do you guys think? I also think it's a non-story, just for what it's interesting. I think it's interesting to put it in there because uh, first-time investors going through this debt ceiling will will find that this is the point where the media pumps out a hell of a lot of really, really scary news about the US defaulting on its debt, bonds are going to zero, your stocks are worth nothing, you know, that's it. It's the death of the economy and everyone else is going to rack and ruin with it. And unfortunately, um, what you'll find is that about 10 minutes before the deadline's due, the debt ceiling gets raised and they all have a nice amicable agreement about it because the reality is there's no alternative. Um, And it's just one of those things that you will find as an investor that you will go through every year or two and they're incredibly boring now to people who've seen them before. But I can imagine for the first time investor, they are quite scary because the market always seems to be trying to find a way to shake you out of your positions and worrying about the US debt ceiling when there is no alternative but to raise it and it really doesn't make much difference with the amount of debt they've got at the moment. Um, it's just going to get raised. Do you have anything, Steve? Or... I don't have anything much to add. I mean, it's always interesting to see these things that are first time for the likes of me and I suppose for you guys as well, and that people before us have seen before and know what they're doing with and so on and so forth. And it, it does very much feel different the first time around. I sort of feel that way about a couple of the other things we've got to talk about as well here, that after a while and having been around a couple of times on various things you kind of wonder isn't this just the same thing that i've seen people panicking about before and everything turned out to be okay um this time it's different i don't know uh i would want something to tell me why it was different this time but uh, maybe i'm less yeah you've made yeah you've made an extra uh really good points there it's um if you're probably if you're over 30 i think this has probably been in the news five or six times in your lifetime where you might have been interested in a little bit of politics or you've just been sort of forced that way. So you hear it every single year that the Americans cannot sort out whether they're going to keep (laughs) It's all those stories of whether I, I remember it probably just before Trump was the big one. That where the news really got out and they said that they weren't ever going to be able to pay Americans and uh, there was going to be a big government shutdown and there was no pensions left for all their civil service workers and it was all a big hoo-ha and then like you say last five minutes just sorted itself out um, yeah. as an investor I've not been through it and I've not thought about it actually surprisingly I've never been through one as an investor and this is yeah, this has just kind of passed me by. And I like this, that I'm getting a bit more immune and I'm learning a little bit more to not panic and just let it slide. And and I've seen my stocks, I think, this week drop further than they have since I started. I think I lost a good couple of grand in the past two weeks. And I feel okay. I feel surprisingly okay. One of the things that's worth noting is that these things are literally used as leverage for the opposition party, whoever it is, to get something through. And that's what's going to happen is that the the Republicans will say, we will will never vote for this. We will absolutely never vote for it. And then they'll say, but if you give us all a free sandwich, we will. Do you know what I mean? And that's what will (laughs) happen. They'll get the free sandwich at 11.50 and it'll go through. And that's American politics for you summed up in a sandwich joke. I see that. That kind of makes for an interesting sort of angle, though, right? So even if you're not interested in debt cycles, uh, or sorry, debt ceilings, rather, 
you might be interested then in what the kind of other side of that bargain is going to be. If that's something that might be relevant to you, I guess. I mean, I'm not interested in Republican sandwiches particularly, but I am interested in uh, Republican policies and things that they might want or might want um, pushed through uh, in a certain way. I can't think of what it is that would really cause me to think drastically differently about one of my stocks at the moment but you know maybe something to do with taxes or something would be kind of relevant to a lot of us that's who what own I was thinking. US equities yeah. um, it could be something yeah. in the infrastructure bill that's just softening mm-hmm. um, a, a, you know a softening or a yeah that's all it's going to be it's going to be nothing exciting I'm afraid and I think it's one of those things could where be. you'll find that these are the most anticlimactic things in the history of the world I think <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, on that anticlimactic note, we'll move on. Um, Facebook and Twitch, should we talk about Facebook and Twitch? What's happened to them? I think Twitch is going to pre- probably take more of the story in our eyes, but uh, Facebook had that uh, drop in service. Um, why i have i've seen all the articles saying why facebook and instagram went down today but i've never actually read one so i don't know the actual reason why they went down do you guys know i know it wasn't fastly's fault this time which is probably the first time in a while that it's, uh, <laughs> it's gone down and not fast yeah i think actually fastly came out and was like oh we ain't us this time we're all right <laughs> but i think I think it was, I read on Twitter, and whether or not it's actually true or not, but I think it was something as simple as somebody accidentally deleted the DNS routing of their, all of their services, which means that the very, very core of absolutely everything they do got accidentally deleted, and it was just like a 10-minute <laughs> job to get it back, but because the internet's so big and so spidery, and it just took a little bit of while to filter back out again, so I don't know if that's really, it shows you sort of like, I suppose, how fallible the, the very, very source code of a lot of the programs we, we you know, we are we're using every day are sort of like prone to just being deleted but um yeah strange one because <laughs> there are a few important points there the, number one which you pointed out was that um facebook and most of the internet can just go down when someone spills their coffee on the keyboard which is what it sounds like is what happened hmm. um but secondly what was very important for me is a lot of my work and probably a lot of other people's work is run through Facebook, WhatsApp. We have WhatsApp groups that uh, like deliver work to me, basically. And for an entire day, I couldn't get any work. And that actually, th- there's two angles on that for me. The first angle is, oh my God, we rely so much on Facebook in this world. Uh, particularly me for my photography business. I- I've got I've got to talk to clients through Facebook. And then obviously for my medical business, I've got a lot of work that comes in and it's all through Facebook and WhatsApp. So there's the one, the reliance on that is horrific. But on the other hand, the reliance on that is horrific. Like how many people and how many businesses in the world rely on Facebook and with Facebook dropping like a stone this week, are we sort of over, are we overreacting to this news and really should this be a wake-up call and make us realize just how much of the world relies on facebook and it's not just a site to stare at your ex for 24 hours so paul makes the right point here i think um i also spend i think (laughs) i spend sort of large amounts of my time staring on facebook at pictures of paul's ex but um, (laughs) when facebook went down for six or uh, six or seven hours or so I noticed a couple of things. One was that you know people who normally spend a lot of time scrolling on Instagram couldn't scroll on Instagram anymore. 
And they were kind of slightly outraged by this. And they regarded themselves as having been wronged in a certain kind of way. Or that something had been kind of <laughs> taken away from them in an important fashion. And I felt the same way because I, I spend more time on WhatsApp than I do on either Facebook or Instagram. But I, I was on WhatsApp and I was chatting quite a bit. And I felt like something had been taken away from me. And I'm reminded in this case that this is connected to the other kind of big Facebook story, which is the stuff coming out about their kind of internal documents in the Wall Street Journal papers. The people like me and like Paul and so on are not the customer at Facebook. We say this about um, things like paying for order flow and trading 212 and so on. But if the service is free, then you're the product. Uh, the customers here are advertisers, not uh, the likes of me. I'm the thing that's being kind of offered out to them, right? So they can put their adverts somewhere that I can see them and that I might kind of uh, get fastened onto them here. So one of the things I take away from this is that Facebook appears to have uh, if you count it across its platforms, so in Instagram as well and so on, uh, really quite a willing product in a number of ways. And at a time when they're currently under really quite a lot of pressure, and this is the reason their stock's been falling quite hard, uh, based on the fact that they appear to have a product that in a lot of ways, according to the whistleblower here, um, promotes things like eating disorders, promotes hate speech, promotes all kinds of things that we really don't want in the world so much. Um, and its products are human beings and teenagers and, you know, under 18s in a lot of these cases. Um, I was kind of had a timely reminder of that in a certain way. I found these issues to be kind of connected in that Facebook appears to have a very willing product, even if that's a product that a lot of people are worried about the well-being of. Yeah, very good point. It's, um, it's uh, very, the whistleblower came out and was very clear that, they just don't care about us, do they? And again, this goes back to Cambridge Analytica. So if we talk about this from a stock point of view, let's let's go for that. We're not go we won't do this from a political point of view. Everybody has seen the graphs, which seen has seen the fourteen year old girls, the 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 rise in self self harm of fourteen year old girls uh was uh, became exponential since uh, the rise of Facebook and Instagram. So that's a very famous graph that's out there which you can look at. Um but Cambridge Analytica dropped Facebook like a stone, and we know from a stock point of view, it recovered to massive levels. So is this just another Cambridge Analytica story? Will Facebook bounce back? Is it so ingrained in our world that we just can't ignore it, and that's why we should be buying it right now? I don't really use Facebook, so I, I don't get the same kind of attachment to it that you guys do. I've I recently taken on the uh, Playing Footsie Instagram account, and that was my first Instagram account, and I have no idea what I am doing. I that <laughs> sort of that that old now. I've realised that I am my father, um, so I, I'm not attached to it at all. I'm one of those annoying people that um, because of my job as well, because of the sort of characters that I deal with, I'm used, so used to picking up the phone to people and just calling them. So the fact that WhatsApp and uh, and Facebook and Instagram went down. I didn't even realize um, somebody had to tell me. So that's not really <laughs> of anything of use to me. I, I understand what you guys are saying, that it's kind of like, you know, it's now the metaverse and, you know, we're walking past the billboards just virtually. But I, I just I just don't have any interest in Facebook as a product. I don't think I'd ever buy it. I think I've had this conversation with Steve on a number of occasions. I just, I just don't care. <laughs> I think I feel slightly differently here. I think uh, Facebook is getting into a situation. So with Facebook, as with all the other kind of fangs, there's always been a kind of implicit antitrust risk, right? You're always kind of waiting for the next antitrust or uh, US congressional thing to appear, basically, on the horizon. And there is a risk with all of these things that one day someone will do something to one of these companies that matters more than just finding them what is by their standards a few quid. Um, 
and so what you want for that, I guess, as an investor is you want that to be kind of priced in in a certain way. And Facebook's come off by a fair bit. It's now uh, got a peg ratio of under one, assuming it can meet its kind of growth targets here. The stuff coming out here is damaging in a number of ways, right? I mean, it, it tells us not only is Facebook uh, a place where people are unkind to each other, so's the world. It does tell us it's a place where Facebook is deliberately not um, doing anything to prevent people from being unkind and worse uh, to each other in a number of ways here, right? And that it can do stuff and it's refusing to do stuff and that if it did do stuff, its revenues would go down in its estimations anyway, um, or it would grow at less of a rate than they currently are. Uh, so this is tricky in a certain way. I mean, one to compare this to, I guess, which we sort of hinted at earlier a little bit, is Alibaba, which is also kind of under uh, at least perceived governmental pressure. And the stock uh, has fallen a bit, uh, quite a lot in Alibaba's case. Um, but the business itself so far appears to be largely intact. The kind of question with both of these two is, is something bad actually going to happen to this business or is it going to just quietly keep on making money and the stock price will gradually or suddenly make its way back once the perceived threat disappears? I would be more confident in the case of Facebook than I would in the case of Alibaba. I, I feel more confident thinking that US Congress will do nothing about Facebook. Whether they should or shouldn't is a view that I, uh, I'm staying out of uh, for the time being. Um, but I think it more likely that they will do nothing detrimental then um, the Chinese government will do something that seriously harms Alibaba in a certain way. So I'm viewing this with a decent interest here, and it's not far from a level that I'd consider um, getting involved. Yeah, it's very similar. I'm parroting someone now. I can't remember who it was but that I heard talking about it, but there's the same idea with Amazon, the same idea with Amazon that would you rather buy Amazon right now as slightly undervalued but a far better business with probably less risk than Alibaba because everyone says that Alibaba is the Amazon of uh, China. Or would you rather buy China, which is quite significantly uh, below its estimated value, but it has that high risk. And someone someone was saying the same thing about uh, that or Amazon and they chose Amazon. So that's very, very interesting. And this was quite a big value investor, I think, uh, that said this. So I would be very interested into why Charlie Munger is buying so much of of Alibaba right now and not Amazon or Facebook. But then I think he really hates Facebook, doesn't he? He's not a big, big fan of Facebook. I would imagine he's not a big Facebook fan. I mean, one thing about Charlie Munger that I think he does know, he certainly knows more than me about a large number of things, but one of those in particular is he has a much better idea of what's going on in China than I do. Uh, and the reason I tend to be wary of Alibaba is I just put this in a large bucket of things that I find it hard to get a convincing and confident view on. Basically, I struggle to convince myself that I really know that Alibaba might well be in the kind of ear of the Chinese government. They may well be indispensable to them. I don't trust the Chinese government not to do something that isn't in their own interests, particularly that I, I, if they do something crazy. Right. That's not good for me as an investor. We can all agree that maybe they shouldn't do something that will harm Alibaba. That doesn't mean they won't. Um, so Charlie Munger knows a lot about them. And I've always, uh, well, I've long now thought the best reason for buying Alibaba as it fell and fell and fell was that Charlie Munger owned it and was buying it. And that is still a reason, basically. Uh, Steve sent me a link mm. to something um, from the Joseph Carlson show uh, where I think Ray Dalio was talking about um, Alibaba and China and so on as well. And basically Joseph Carlson's case comes down to listen to Ray Dalio, more or less. Um, and there's something about that that's kind of respectable to my mind of a smart person that I respect X is thinking this is a buy, therefore it's a buy. And I wonder whether that's better than trying to work it out for yourself in the case of these things. You seem unconvinced, Paul. 
Ah, brilliant. Um, Ray Dalio, when she brought up Ray Dalio buying Alibaba, I was like, oh, that's kind of a negative in my opinion because he's he did the 2008 crisis, but as far as I could tell after that, he hasn't really done much since then either. Um, then again, you could say the same thing for Charlie Munger. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the cloning thing in this case is very, very uh, positive. I think this is the Manish Parbrai cloning case uh where you just copy well you don't copy you take the ideas and the advice of some of the top investors that have ever lived and you know you you shamefully drop your ego and and take the strategy and i would say that's uh, with alibaba i'm it, it doesn't make me want to buy it charlie munger owning it and buying it but it certainly gives me more confidence i think i I was. I came to my own decision without knowing that Charlie Munger was buying Alibaba. I came to that decision, but now I do know, and now he's buying more. He increased his position up to eighty percent. I, I'm more. I'm more confident now. I've and I've been buying, by the way. He's an interesting one, Charlie Munger, in that he doesn't mess around in his daily journal portfolio, right? I mean, he's not like someone who might take what is a biggish stake in a company that amounts to sort of only 2% of his portfolio. And if it goes away, oh, well, his portfolio is down 2%. What's the worst that happens there? I mean, he owns these, he only owns about, I think, five stocks in there. And uh, Barber's now up to about 20%. So uh, he, he's always kind of preached the idea of, diversifying in order to minimize your risk is you know, kind of not a great idea. What you should do is find a load of stuff, get extremely confident in those stuff, and then back your confidence up with your cash, basically. And in fairness, that seems to be what he's kind of doing here. But he very rarely um, actually doubles down on positions either. Normally he buys a position in one one fell swoop. So for him to, to buy something and then see it go down so much and think, well, oh, this is even more of a bag and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to essentially double down on my position is, is, is another unusual move for Munger. So it's another sign that he is he's confident in, in the price. And I, I think that's the issue here is that if we can take all those numbers at face value and if somebody came out to you tomorrow and said, all of these barber numbers, you have checked it. Everything about it is absolutely fine. There's no cook in the books here. And, it, you know, and just by the way, China are going to let them off with another slap on the wrist. We'd all be buying it. The problem is, is that none of those things are true. Um, so whilst I'm happy to see Munger put his money in, and if that makes you feel any more comfortable about it, buy it. I certainly won't be doing it. I think it's just one of those things I can afford to miss. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, on top of the other cloning thing as well. Uh, going back to Manish Parbright, I did check his 13Fs a couple of days ago because I've been kind of watching him a lot. And uh, I, if I remember, he has two holdings now, just two holdings, one being Alibaba and the other one being Seritage uh, Real Estate Holdings. So that is a very tight portfolio. <laughs> it's a huge portfolio as well. Uh, very interesting. Okay, let's move on to uh, we'll we'll leave we'll leave Amazon and Twitch. Sorry, guys, I'm going to cut that one out. Um, remote working uh, been in the news this week with uh, a lot of politicians wanting us to go back to work, even though we're very very comfy half watching our work and half watching Netflix and sitting around in our pants, as far as I can tell. What's the politicians been saying this week? Is there anything interesting? Uh, the, the interesting comment was from um, Bojo, 
he said that um, we have to return to the work or we risk being gossiped about. Um, but that's quite an interesting uh, interesting point because this is probably another thing I don't really care about. But um, <laughs> I've already returned back to the office. I'm, I'm only doing one day a week at work. Basically, our employer has been really happy with our work from home. They've been really happy with the productivity and they basically wanted to give us a day away from the office as a as like a quoting day. So we, we basically go and do all of our all of our quoting stuff in, in one day and all of our engineering work on the other days. And it's been really, really good for me. I, I must admit, I do like working from home and, and I would do it a lot more often if I could. It definitely works for my industry as well. Um, but it, it's strange, really. I, I, I don't know what the motive is for getting back to work because I think businesses quite like people working from home. I think especially because they can get rid of these massive real estate buildings. Maybe that's mm, the problem. Maybe I London's a bit think quiet. that's the problem. I think that... Hmm. Um, so my wife works in local government, and there's a lot of local governments, uh, this is the case, they would quite like to sell off some of their buildings and keep people remote working from home. But of course, downward pressure or selling pressure on kind of buildings and so on drives down real estate prices. And uh, I wonder whether that's got something to do with it. Yeah, that's the motive I, I was thinking. That's the way I'm thinking. But I think it's strange because I think the, the people are being a lot more uh, productive, which productivity is a thing that the UK really struggles with. Um, <laughs> managers like it then. <laughs> people like it. I don't understand so, why we would want to stop it. So the actual quote that was said by Bojo was that you're going to be gossiped about and you're going to lose out. And I think that lose out bit, which you've missed out there, is actually very, very important. And if we take... I know uh, it's quite biased from Scott Galloway. Scott Galloway has a lot of... If you listen to his podcast, it has a lot of very interesting insights into how to build a business or how to wait, how to work your way up a company. And if we, we're thinking of one of these office jobs or I don't know if it applies so much to the jobs that you guys have got. It certainly doesn't apply to mine, I don't think. But he has a bit of a rule that says like, well, if you're if you're sort of well established in your job and you've got a good position, then working at home isn't so bad. But if you're young. If you're sort of 20s, uh, early 20s, and you're still trying to learn, then you kind of got to touch the flesh. You know, you've got kind of got to be in in that environment and and talking to people, talking to your bosses, being face to face, and that is more likely going to get you a promotion. And I think that's where Boris Johnson is pushing uh, the lose out bit here. Is he saying that it's um, you've got to be you've got to be close to people, you've got to be always talking to them and having zoom conversations just isn't good enough do we feel that's very similar because i don't in my in my role or in my lifetime so far my experience of jobs is that it's very mechanical and there's no real way of talking your way up to a boss but that's because i work in like a government sector and it's, it's just very very hard to 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 sort of dress anyone a certain way but you guys work private so is that any different in the private sector these days can you get a better job by being close to someone it might not surprise you to know that uh where i work certainly if you were starting work uh there and this is actually true kind of wherever you were starting even if you were starting quite high up the pyramid you would find it a lot easier being in person and having other people in person by the way because certainly in universities they all tend to be uh, quite bureaucracy heavy there's quite a lot of stuff that you need to do that isn't kind of teaching or research uh, one way or another and these things differ from institution to institution and the best way to get set up on these things is to have someone help you figure out 
what the hell you're meant to be doing when. And that's much easier done by having someone kind of just down the corridor than having to call somebody up on Zoom and making a, a, sometimes make an appointment to see them or bothering them to answer a call or something like that. So, I mean, there are just kind of practical difficulties for getting started. They apply whether you're um, uh, starting at the bottom or starting in the middle or even starting somewhere near the top, right? Having people around is helpful early on. After that, um, our job can be done pretty well effectively remotely, I think, in a number of ways. It's not a massive surprise. I'm in the same sector as Scott Galloway is. Different part of it, but in general, the same things apply. Do you think it will stop you having a promotion, getting a promotion? No, um, at least not with the amount of time I've kind of been where I am at the moment. And people kind of know that Mm. the people we have at our our particular part of the institution do a very good job. And that job can be done pretty well um, remotely, basically. So I don't think much is going to get in the way there. I just yeah. wanted to quickly counter uh, the thing about being new. We've got two fairly new people at our business. One of them is brand new to it, um, and the other one was a, an ex-barista at um, Costa Coffee. So he is brand, brand new to um, to any kind of engineering. And what we do is we use Teams, so we can see each other's screen. He can see what I'm doing. I can see what he's doing. Um, we can both share a screen at the same time, and I can talk him through any of the problems he's having, and he can explain his issues to me and show me where you know, what what he thinks is the issue, and I can usually show him where he's going wrong. So for us, it's not made an issue uh, of remote working whatsoever. In fact, it's probably made everybody a little bit more accessible because it stops you having to come over to someone's desk and say, like, hey, look, can I just quickly interrupt you so you can come over and have a look at that? It's been a lot better for us, actually. We've got closer to the architects and and the structural engineers that we work with. Um, For us, working from home has been a real a real revelation now it was a shame that we had to come back but the just the fact of the the thing is that the industry we're in uh, has a lot of paperwork <laughs> we have a lot of a lot of builders who've probably never opened an email in their life so there is an element of needing to get in and print stuff up for them unfortunately um and that that's the only reason we're back in if we if that wasn't there i think we'd be fully remote now yeah and um i'm wondering if this is a case of these old ass these old ass politicians and these old ass businessmen who are the ones which are saying this and really there is something else out there i can't really comment because all my work has to be done in person i can't possibly do my job uh, remotely at this at this point in time but um so it's boris johnson saying it it's uh some of the other old mps i did have a name uh dowden mp uh chair of conservative party oliver dowden said it was uh, a big problem but i also knew uh, know that he had a lot of pushback from rishi who is considered one of the younger members of uh, the conservative party and may understand it and also I, I, was, I was a bit put off this week because scott galloway puts up a this is alluding to something from last week's po- uh, podcast he put up a big meme saying uh, go to college he says that only people who uh, say do not go to college are ones that have made their money out of going to college. That's what that's the meme that he's saying. He's saying that only only rich people tell you to not go to college, and I don't think that's true. And that's really put me off Scott Galloway this this uh, week because it feels like he's pushing his own sector because he's in the ed- education sector and. Uh, I don't know. Is this just old people, <laughs> just boomers that want you to get back in the office and keep you in the slave slave trade? Or is there, oh, I just need to find out if there was something in this. 
I, I think it could be um, just maybe a lack of sort of technology adoption, but I think it's 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 just too tough to say. I mean, our both our bosses are rather young, and and they wanted us back in four days a week, and it's just I think some people just prefer to have people working around them, and people like me who <laughs> just want to sit at home in in our pants and <laughs> design you a lovely floor. <laughs> Sorry, design us a lovely floor That's or it. a lovely t-shirt. <laughs> A lovely t-shirt. Well, All the right, thing is, I when think... you're working at home, you can do both. <laughs> <laughs> don't pu- don't publish that. Don't... <laughs> you should not be publishing how much time you've got free at home to well, work on well, Oh, job. come on, Paul. My... You've seen these things. He hasn't spent large amounts of time on them. <laughs> my, my, my workmates are already gossiped on me. He sits at home designing t-shirts and their free podcast. <laughs> Every time I Skype him, he's hastily putting a T-shirt on. <laughs> but, but yeah, at my at my place, the more you're in work, the more you get gossiped about. So uh, mm. I think I think that would be totally different from my work. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there. We were we did have a lot to talk about this week, and we've uh, ran over as usual. Uh, so thank you very much for listening today on Spotify and wherever you get your podcast from obviously leave us a five star link if you uh, a, five, star a five star five star link a five star review and obviously uh if you want a t-shirt there's a link in the description below i'll be going there straight after this to buy my own t-shirt because these guys didn't tell me that we were all dressed in a uniform this week <laughs> um uh yeah uh, leave us a comment ask us a question if, if we uh, if you want to ask us or leave just nasty comments we, we, we love the nasty comments Steve D definitely loves the nasty comments and um, we will put your questions and maybe your comments on the midweek footsie which we are about to record just letting you in on a trade secret there thank you very much for listening guys and we'll see you next week I'm amazed how many people own stocks I'm amazed how many people own stocks. This, the sucker's going up. <laughs>